your Bibles, we're going to turn to John chapter 8, verse 31. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John chapter 8, verse 31 says, Then Jesus, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? And we're going to speak a few moments tonight on the subject or title. In denial. Let's pray one more time together. Jesus, hallelujah. God, I thank you for your goodness. God, for your greatness that you are. God, I thank you, Jesus. I pray in your name, God, you would minister the rest of the service. God, let your will be done. In Jesus' name, God, speak to us. I pray anoint our ears to hear your word. God, anoint our my mouth, God, to say what you need me to say. I pray in the name of Jesus, God, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated if you'd like. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Then answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? And this is one of the weirdest things I've ever read in the Bible. Um, it's a little background of the story. Jesus had just dealt with the woman that was caught in adultery. This is where he had written on the ground in the dirt. He had took his, taken his finger and he had written some words. And he said the, the famous saying, he knows that sin cast the first stone. And that's where, that's where the, we were. And then... He, he starts teaching the people that are left afterwards. He starts trying to teach and speak to them and work with the, the Jews that have gathered around. And he, he tries to teach them about heaven. He tries to tell them about God and the Father and all these sorts of things. And he asks a few questions and they answer his questions. And it seems like they're starting to get somewhere. And verse 30 before our text, he says, As he spake these words, many believed on him. So God is starting to move in these the lives of these people that are gathered around and they start believing. And then Jesus says in the Ryan revised edition, he says, awesome. If you continue doing what I say, then you'll be my disciples for sure. And if you do that, if you continue in my word and you do what I say, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. This is what he tells these guys. They're starting to believe on him. And he says, if you just continue Following what I say, if you continue doing what I say, the truth will make you free. Good things are going to happen. And they hit him with the most ridiculous thing, the most ridiculous verse I've ever, not that it's ridiculous, but what they said, it's just crazy. And they answered him, they said, we be Abraham's seed and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free. And the Ryan revised, says, we are Jews, we're Abraham's family. We were never slaves before. Why do we need to be set free? What you talking about, Willis? We've never been enslaved. We've never been bound. We've never been in bondage. We're the Israelites. So you know who we're talking about. And if that doesn't make any sense to you, it didn't make any sense to me. I asked Annabelle today what stories 
she knew about Israel. I said, have you ever heard about Israel? I don't know if she has, but I said, well, what is, you know, what's the story that you know about Israel? And the first thing that she thought of was the story of Moses in Egypt. The first story she thought of. She's nine years old. Yeah, I remember. She's nine years old. Thousands of years later. Not a Jewish kid by any means. Didn't grow up hearing. Well, she grew up hearing the Bible. She didn't grow up hearing, you know, celebrating these feasts and all this stuff. She's not Jewish. But that's the first story she thought of. The story of Moses leading the Israelites out of bondage. Out of slavery. We're the children of Abraham. We've never been in bondage before. We've never been slaves to any man. What are you talking about? They had a Passover every year to remember Moses leading them out of Egypt. It was a big deal. Everyone would come from all over and worship together. They had, this, they had all these feasts, the Feast of Pentecost we talked about this morning. All this stuff. Remember what God did for them. Never in bondage, they said. Hilarious. I will read you some verses from the Old Testament. Exodus 1. Verse 13 to 14. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage. Huh. Judges 3 and 8. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he sold them into the hand of Cushan, Rishathium, king of Mesopotamia. And the children served this guy eight years. Served them. Not because they wanted to. They were slaves. Judges 3 and 14. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. Judges 4, 2 to 3. And the Lord sold them to the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazar, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Herosheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron. In 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. 20 years. Never in bondage. Judges 8, or sorry, Judges 10, 7 to 8, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. He sold them to the hands of the Philistines and the hands of Ammon. And that year they vexed and oppressed the children of Israel 18 years. And all the children of Israel that were on the other side of the Jordan, the land of Am Amorites, which is in Gilead. Sorry I'm reading so fast. Judges 13 and 1, and the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them in the hand of the Philistines 40 years. Never in bondage, they said. Plus, the Assyrians came. Plus, the Babylonians came. Plus, they were currently under the Roman Empire. Amen. As they said this. Amen. Never in bondage to any man, they said. Never a slave to any man. Dozens of times. You can read through the Old Testament. I just skimmed the ones I knew. Dozens, off the top of my head, there's dozens of times. We've never been captive, they said, except all these other times. We've never been enslaved except all these other times. They've had feasts, they had parties to remember God delivering them. But they said, I've never been in bondage. I've never been slave. Don't you know who we are? They had all these parties, all these feasts, and remembering didn't, <laughs> wasn't working. It didn't change how they looked at it. They just thought in their head, you know, that's never happened. That never happened. You know, with your friend, they do something foolish. And they say, that never happened. Forget that. Forget that ever happened. And you say, what are you talking about? Every time. Forget that ever happened. They were living in denial. According to the Mayo Clinic, denial is a coping mechanism that gives you 
time to adjust to de-stressing situations, but staying in denial can interfere with treatment or your ability to tackle challenges. If you're in denial, you're trying to protect yourself by refusing to accept the truth about something that is happening in your life. Does that sound like anyone? Does it sound like maybe these Jews we're talking about or maybe ourselves sometimes? Horrible things have happened in our lives and we try to pretend like it never did. Things have taken place in our lives and in our past and we kind of brush them over and try to forget that it ever happened. Say, you know, that never happened. Just forget about it. Most times it's easier to deny the truth when it hurts. Denial means trying to hold on to your own perceptions of reality when in fact you are avoiding the truth. That's how people with eating disorders, for example, bulimia or anorexia, they are in such denial of their problem that they don't even see what they're doing is hurting themselves. They don't even see that what they're doing is affecting their lives. They're so much in denial that they don't even see that that it's hurting them. People who are in denial refuse to accept or admit what is going on around them. They won't face their problems. They pretend like it never happened. And denial is a powerful thing. You live in a false reality and you miss everything that's actually happening in the world. Sometimes tragedy strikes and causes us to go into denial. Sometimes it's a disease and we don't want to talk about it and we think that maybe if we pretend that it's not real that it'll go away we reject a diagnosis we ignore it maybe something tragic happened in our lives maybe there was an accident maybe something somebody hurt us maybe something happened and we won't talk about it we won't face it we won't deal with it we just kind of bury it and pretend it never happened we were never enslaved we were never in bondage this never happened i don't know what you're talking about one of the steps of, of grief is denial. Right. When my father died, the first thing I thought was, well, we can pray him back to life. That's the first thing I thought. The second thing I thought was, where's my Game Boy? <laughs> Lucy knows where it is. I still have it. <laughs> my father had given me that, and I took it. And the whole grieving process, the whole wake... My brother and I, we stayed in the room that they have for the family, and we just played our Game Boy. We just pretended that nothing happened. We went to my grandmother's house afterwards, you know, and they had everybody come over and cry and eat sweets, you know how it is, and do all that sort of thing. And we just went upstairs, and my cousin uh, lived there at the time, and they had a Sega Genesis, so we played Sonic the Hedgehog. Well, everybody was downstairs grieving, and everybody was downstairs sharing stories about my father and how great he was, or whatever. I don't know, I was upstairs. <laughs> and I wouldn't face it. And the whole wake we hid, and the whole time, you know, everyone was grieving. We just kind of pretended it didn't happen. And tried to ignore it and hoped it would go away. And I, you know, you see movies, you hear stories about people faking their own death. You know, Elvis is still alive somewhere, right? You know, all these things. And as a kid with an imagination, you start imagining things. And you think that maybe, you know, maybe that's what he did. Just living in denial. Just yeah. pretending that maybe he'd done that. Or I would see somebody at the mall that looked like my father and be like, Haha, he's still around. I want to approach him. I don't want to spook him off. Maybe he'll call me when I get home or something. 
I lived like that for seven years. And then when I was a teenager, it caught up with me. And I realized that he was, he was actually he was gone. And it hit me and I, it just about ruined my life if it wasn't for Jesus stepping in. I've told you some of my stories before. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? They were living in denial. They were pretending like nothing had ever happened. Well, Jesus was there. Jesus was speaking to them. Jesus was teaching them. Jesus was ministering to them. He was ready to deliver. He was ready to just open their minds and share, you know, incredible revelations with them. He was teaching about freedom. He was ready to deliver them. He was ready to just give them the deliverance that they so desperately needed. And everything was going well. And then they just kind of clammed up and they said, you know, we're Abrahams. We've never been in bondage to anyone. We've never been enslaved to anyone. What are you talking about? We need to be free. Why do we need to be free? How dare you say that I need to be set free? You don't know me. You don't know what I've been through. I don't need to be set free. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm dandy. Leave me alone with that foolishness. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know our history? Don't you know, you know, we're Abrahams. We're, we're a big deal. We've been, you know, through a lot. We, we don't need to be set free. We're already free. The only people that are, are bound need to be set free. Only people that need to be set free are slaves or captives. We're none of those. We're, we're Abraham's sons and daughters. We don't need to be set free. Get out of here with that. I'm fine. I've got it all together. And they got upset with him. And from that moment on, the conversation feels different. They argue about Abraham for a little bit. And then John 8 and 48 it says, Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say me not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast the devil. A few verses later, they're like, you know what? You're not even a real Jew. Who are you to talk to us? You're just a Samaritan. You've got a devil. A few verses ago, they believed on him. They were ready for something to happen. And now, you know, they're living in this state of denial. And they start calling Jesus a demon-possessed guy. A few verses earlier, they believed on him. And they're ready for something to happen. And then we keep going in John 8 and 52. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast the devil. Like, now we know for sure you've got a devil. Abraham is dead. And the prophets, and thou sayest, if a man keep my saying, he shall never taste death. And it keeps getting worse. And by the end of the chapter, verse 59, it says, Then took they up stones to cast at him, for Jesus hid himself. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. By the end of the chapter, they're ready to kill him. By the end of the chapter, they're ready to just end him. At the beginning, they're ready to believe. And then once Jesus brought up something that they needed to address, once Jesus brought up something that they were struggling with, they were facing, they needed to get over and get through, they just shut down. And by the end, they were ready to kill him. They were in denial. 
All because a little bit earlier they missed the mark. They missed what he was trying to say and they blew it because they couldn't admit where they were. They couldn't admit that I actually, even though I am a son of Abraham, even though I am a daughter of Abraham, I still need to be set free. They couldn't admit where they were at. They couldn't admit what they needed. And sometimes we can be the same way. We can get so caught up in who we think we are and what we think we've accomplished. And then when Jesus shows up and he wants to minister and he wants to change, and he wants to speak into our lives, we just shut it down. And we say, well, I don't need that. Everything's fine. That preacher up there is crazy. And we miss out on what he wants to say. We miss out on what he wants to do in our lives because we're living in denial. And when Jesus heard it, Mark 2 and 17, sorry. When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, they that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus didn't come to heal people who didn't need to be healed. Jesus didn't come to save people who think they're already saved. He came to touch. He came to move. He came to deliver and speak and heal and save people who will admit where they're at. Who will admit what they need. Who will admit who he is. I've said it before. But everyone that got something from Jesus had to admit that they needed him. They had to cry out and say, oh, Jesus, oh, son of David, have mercy on me. They needed to crawl and touch the hem of his garment. They needed to tear a roof off. They needed to do something to show him that they really wanted. They needed to climb a tree. They They needed to do something to show him that they really wanted it. They needed to show him that they needed it. That they were ready to admit that I need a touch from you. He told the man with the withered hand, he said, stretch out your hand. He had to decide what hand he was going to stretch out. If he was going to be healed. He asked them, what do you want? I want my sight. What do you want? I want this. I need that. But every one of them had to admit to him that they needed him. That they couldn't do it without him. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. He knows that you've had a bad day. He knows that you're frustrated. He knows that you need him. He knows that you are struggling. He knows that you sinned. He knows that you failed. He knows that you dropped the ball and your back is against the wall. He knows that you are confused. He knows that you're struggling with things. Maybe you have doubt. Maybe you have questions. So why do we pretend Otherwise, he knows what you're going through. David in Psalm 51, verse 16 and 17 says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. David realizes something in this moment. He was a worshiper. He was a praiser, if that's a word. He ministered. And song and dance, he instituted clapping and worship. He put that in. And he did all of these things. He led his people. He worshipped. He he sang. He wrote songs. He played instruments. He danced. He he made himself look foolish in front of his wife, in front of the, the, the people of Israel. He didn't care. He just he was one of those people that just worshipped. It didn't matter what anybody else was doing, it didn't matter what anybody else thought or said. He just he just worshipped and gave everything he had. But in this moment he realized that what he'd always done wasn't going to do it. Sometimes it will. You know, it's good to worship. I'm not gonna tell you not to. 
We need to. We need to dance. We need to sing. We need to clap. We need to show. We need to write songs. We need to play instruments. We need to do all of these things. Amen. But sometimes God's looking for a little bit more. Amen. Other times he's looking for something deeper, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, that will not despise. David, when he wrote this song, he had sinned big time. He had failed. He had taken his neighbor's wife, committed adultery with her, got the guy to come home from the army, try to cover it up, you know, go see your wife. But the guy was so faithful, he wouldn't even go into the house. He just he slept outside, and everybody knew that. And David ended up devising a plan to have this man killed in battle. And then he pretended like it never happened. Pretended like living in denial, I guess. Pretending like it never happened. And the man of God, Nathan, came to him, told him a story. But a man had a bunch of sheep, and a man that had one, and he said, this one, you know, this guy with a bunch of sheep took this one sheep. And he was like, oh, who was it? Show me. And he said, you were the man. And then David wrote this song. And he realized that he couldn't live in this denial anymore. He needed something. He needed God. He needed God to forgive him. He needed God to move in his life. And the dancing that he'd always done, the singing he'd always done, wasn't going to be good enough at this moment. God needed something more from him. David didn't need to pretend that he had it all together this time. David didn't need to live in denial this time. God wasn't looking for that. And Jesus isn't looking for that today. The Jews that Jesus was talking to were living in denial. They missed out on what he was saying. They missed out on where he was going. They missed out on what he was able to do in their lives. And they were never set free. Because they were living in denial. Everything else hinged on that. Everything else depended on that. And they missed out on what Jesus could do in their lives. He was offering them freedom. And they didn't realize that they actually did need to be set free. And they missed out on that. And Jesus tonight isn't looking for pretty praise. He's not looking for a nice service. He's not looking for a beautiful sounding song. He's looking for honest to goodness worship from our hearts, our broken hearts. He knows where you're at. He knows where the Jews were at that he was talking to, or he knew where they're at, sorry. So we have the question, what are we going to do tonight? Are we going to continue living in denial, pretending that everything's fine, pretending that we got it all together? I've never been enslaved to any man, even though they had been. Are we going to keep doing that, or are we going to give it to Jesus? It all depends on this. It all depends on your answer to that question. You can miss out on everything that Jesus has if we keep living that way. We keep living in denial. It was only a few moments afterwards that they were ready to just turn on him. Ready to stone him. Call him the devil. Just a few moments afterwards. Everything, can, everything depends on what you do with this. Everything isn't always fine. 
I know as Christians, we like to, I don't know, try to sell it to everybody and say, you know, your life's going to be hunky-dory or whatever word you use. You know what? Life's still life. Family's still family. People still hurt. But we have a healer. We have a deliverer. Everything isn't always going to be fine. But Jesus knows what's up. Jesus knows what's going on. He knows where you're at. And he's ready to minister. Joel, Joel chapter 2 verse 28. We read it this morning. And it shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. We read that this morning. Um, Peter quoted it in the book of Acts chapter 2. And we love that verse. We love hearing about God pouring in His Spirit. We love talking about the Holy Ghost. We love talking about anointing and it's awesome. And we love to hear about it and we pray for it and we, we look for it all the time. And we're, we hope and we pray and we dream about it. Well, the first part of that verse says, and it shall come to pass afterward. After what? We have to go back and read the beginning of the chapter and see what's happening. If we go to verse 12. It says, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all of your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. We all want verse 28 and 29. We all want God to pour out His Spirit. We all want to see a move of the Holy Ghost. But in order to get there, we need to go through verse 12 and 13. We need to turn to Him with all of our hearts. Fasting, with weeping, with mourning. We need to rend our hearts. The children of Israel, they had this thing whenever something, you know, they would show they were in mourning, they would just tear their garments and put ashes on. And I would show, you know, but they just. It was just a sign of, of mourning. They'd always done that. I mean, the thing they'd always, they always did when they prayed or they fasted, that's what they always did. And God said, I don't want you to do that anymore. I don't want you to do the same thing you've always done. I don't want you to keep continuing the same way you've always gone. I want you this time to give me your heart. Rend your heart. Break, break it. Give me your broken heart. Give me the thing that hurts give it to me if we want a move of God if we want an outpouring of the Holy Ghost we need to turn our heart to God we need to give him our broken heart we need to pour it all out we need to give him everything that we have the sons and the daughters who prophesied are going to be the ones who have given everything the ones that have given him their broken hearts the ones that have been hurt but they've given it to God the visions and dreams are going to come from the people who gave everything the ones that are not living in the now, the ones who are not pretending it's okay, the ones that are not pretending that nothing happened, that they don't need him, the ones that aren't pretending that they're not struggling, they're not battling. If you want help, all you need to do is cry out. Jesus isn't interested in keeping, or Jesus isn't interested in the way we see things, the way we pretend things are. 
He's in the business of binding broken hearts. He's in the business of setting captives free. And we need to be honest with him. We don't need to live in denial. We need to tell him the truth. And that's when he moves. And that's when he heals. And that's when he steps in. He's not looking for tradition. He's not looking for a routine. And I know we messed everybody up when we mixed it up tonight. But he's not looking for a routine. That's how it's always that's how it's always been done. Amen. These are the songs we've always sang. This is how we have a move of God. We know how to do it. We got a formula planned out. If I do this and that, and this person says this, you know, this person takes off dancing the world. What's going to happen? I need this person to be here. This one's here. If that person stays home, maybe we can have a move of God. I don't know. <laughs> we think we've got it all figured out. We can get God to do what we want Him to do by doing certain things. But God is not dumb. God knows our heart. He knows what's going on. He, he is not fooled. God is not mocked, the Bible says. And you can have service however you want. You can sing songs that stir your heart. You can have special singing all night long. We can have testimonies. Whatever your thing is, you can do a jig. You can pray the loudest. You can impress everyone with your words. You can roll on the floor. You can lay your hands on someone and give them the shake and spit in their face. I don't know. Whatever it is that you think we need to do to have a move of God, we can we can try to do all of those things, but we cannot trick Jesus into moving. None of that is what moves him. It's not the song. It's not the music. It's the person playing it. It's the heart of the person playing it. It's not shouting. It's not dancing. It's the heart of the person that's doing that action that says, I don't care anymore. I need a move of God. It's not the action. It's the heart behind the action. We can pretend and we can fake it all we want to, but God is not going to move until we give Him our heart, until we give Him the things that hurt Him. We stop pretending that everything's okay. We stop living in denial and give it to Him. That's the only way it's going to happen. He's not tricked by all this stuff. You can fool me. You can fool your neighbor. You can fool everyone else. But you cannot fool Jesus. There's no magic trick. There's no word that we need to say in order to have a move of God. There's no prayer that's, you know, a certain prayer that needs to be prayed. There's no song that needs to be sung. There's no combination of all these things that we can do to make him move. It comes when we rend our heart, when we give it to him. And we stop pretending that we've got it all figured out. You cannot trick Jesus into moving. He doesn't care about the song. He doesn't care about the style of music. He doesn't care about how loud or quiet things are. He cares about our hearts. Peter and John, this might offend you, but Peter and John did not sing Amazing Grace or the Old Rugged Cross. David didn't sing Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. They didn't sing every praise. They didn't sing whatever we sang tonight. They didn't sing it. They're all good songs. I'm not saying we don't need to sing them. I like them. But it's not in the song. It's in the heart. And if that's all we do, and that's all we focus on, is the order of service, the song, who's singing, who's doing it, who's here, who's not, we're missing it. And those Jews that were talking to Jesus, they were in his presence. And they missed it. 
You want to know what moves him? It's that lost sheep. It's that heart's cry. It's a mother praying for her backslidden son. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that person that's addicted saying, I can't do this anymore. It's that kid with a broken heart saying, God, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to be angry anymore. It's that person going through a divorce that says, God, I need you. I need your presence. I need your love. I need to feel your arms around me. a person that's just frustrated with everything and they say, God, I need you to step in. I need you to provide. I need you to move. I need you to heal. I need you to touch. That's what moves him. That heart's cry, that desperation. He cares about brokenness. He knows you had a bad week. He knows your family member has cancer. He knows that you're broke. He knows you need to pay the bills. He knows you need a job. He knows your kid came home drunk. He knows what people are saying. He knows you have doubts. He knows you have questions. He knows you have hurts. So stop living in denial and give it to him and let him heal and let him minister and let him deliver. He's here and he wants to deliver. But we're saying who? Well, I don't need to be delivered. I've never been. I've never been in bondage to any man. I've never, I've never been enslaved to any man. Why are, you, why are you saying I need to be delivered? But he's here and he wants to deliver and he wants to move. But we're living in denial. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're battling. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what keeps you awake at night. He knows the problems that you're facing. And He wants to take it. And He wants to move. And He wants to heal. And He wants to restore. And He wants to strengthen. And He wants to just make you whole again. He wants to take that sin. He wants to take that doubt. He wants to take those questions. But until we're ready, until we're ready to admit it, until we're ready to say, Jesus, this is what I'm dealing with. If we keep saying, I'm a child of Abraham. Never been in bondage. I don't know what you're talking about. He's not going to be able to move. And it's not going to be long before we're just, we're out the door. And we're done. And we turn our backs on him. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Jesus wants to move. So if you continue with my word, the truth will make you free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to open the altar. I don't know what else to say. Whatever it is you're battling with, whatever it is you're fighting, whatever it is that is going on, we can just give it to Him. Just say, God, this is what I'm dealing with. He's ready to deliver. He's ready to heal. He's ready to move and touch. Let's pray again. The altar is open. If you want to pray, find somebody and pray for them. Hallelujah. God wants to move. We need to give Him our hearts. 
our broken hearts, the things that hurt, the things that we try to pretend never happened.